my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you again. Uh, This week we're following the theme, Falling in Love with Jesus. And the question we're asking today, uh, does the resurrection really matter? Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome back, David. It's great to have you. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, listeners. It is wonderful to have you back on board again. How is the uh, uh, the bike-a-thon going? Yeah, so as you're aware, uh, month of October, cycling, it's called the Great Cycle Challenge, uh, riding for kids with cancer. Yeah, I've raised uh, just under $3,500, ridden 695 kilometres, and I've got about 60, 70 kilometres to do before the end of this week, before Friday. So that's why you're fading away to a shadow. Oh, it would be good, wouldn't it? It would be lovely. It would be lovely. Now tell us, David, this weekend you've got an online worship uh, uh, program planned. How is that going? How is the preparation for it? Yeah, look, it's going going really well. I mean, it's really busy time, obviously, but we have a speaker from the United States, Pastor Lee Venden, um, who has uh, pastor, author, teacher for, for many decades, and he'll be sharing on the story of Gethsemane, a three-part series. Mm. Mm. Okay, so if listeners want to join in, they can join in. Now, that starts on Friday night, as I understand it. It does. It starts this Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Australian Central Daylight Time, South Australian Time. Uh, it, it again resumes 9.30 Saturday morning and 11 Saturday morning and then 4.30 p.m. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and Pastor Lee Venyon is an absolutely fantastic uh, speaker. I remember, I know I'm showing my age now, but I remember listening to his father years uh, years ago and uh, he was renowned as being a, a marvellous speaker as well and I know many people really appreciate Pastor uh, Lee Venyon. Uh, but but look, before we go to our um, to our theme for, for today, I just love to get your comments. It's wonderful to have the uh, conference president, somebody big and important I- in the church, to be able to get uh, comments on really important subjects. You know, just this last week, I uh, uh, I'm conscious that uh, our um, uh, our friend Pope uh, uh, Pope Francis made some really significant comments about the whole issue of homosexuality and uh, I'm I'd love to actually just share uh, with you a, an article that I picked up. This was actually written by uh, Franklin Graham. Now, of course, Franklin is the uh, son of uh, evangelist Billy Graham, and uh, he's picked up his father's ministry. He's running uh, with that uh, with that particular work. And uh, he wrote a Facebook uh, post, and uh, it was entitled, Pope Francis Attempts to Normalise Homosexuality is to say the Bible is false. Now, let me just share with you what he said on his Facebook post because I'd just love you to be able to uh, to give me some feedback on uh, or your thoughts on uh, on this post. In a lengthy Facebook post on Thursday, evangelist Franklin Graham addressed Pope Francis' endorsement of same-sex civil unions, saying it contradicts the Bible's take on homosexuality. Graham wrote that the Pope's comment which were made uh, in the new documentary uh, Francisco were unthinkable in light of the Word of God. 
He went on to highlight uh, God's creation of humanity in Genesis and the definition of the family as society's most basic social unit. Uh, The Bible teaches that when God created the human race, he created them male and female, and he blessed them, Graham uh, Graham said. Uh, The first family consisted of a male husband, female wife, and their children, which is how God defined society's most basic social unit, the family. But when humanity sinned, Graham explained, uh, that um, explained God's design for marriage and sexual experience between males and females was distorted by homosexuality. Uh, Women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, he wrote, citing the words of the Apostle Paul. Nevertheless, Graham stressed that God's love is completely inclusive and that sinners can come to him by turning to his son, Jesus Christ, in faith and repentance. The evangelist asserted that the Pope's approval of homosexuality ultimately distorts the word of God and diminishes Christ's redemptive work. For Pope Francis to attempt to normalize homosexuality is to say that the Holy Scriptures are false, that our sins really don't matter, and that we can continue living in them, he explained. If that were true, then Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection wouldn't have been needed. The cross would have been for nothing. No one has the right he says, or the authority to trivialize Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. Graham reiterated that God's love for humanity, noting that, that one can be part of his family through repentance, according to the Bible. The Bible says, repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In his closing remarks, Graham explained that the lack of repentance bears eternal consequences. I want everyone to know and to find the peace that comes from fully surrendering our lives to him and his commands. The consequence of an unrepentant, unbelieving heart is also clear in the word of God. Eternal death, Graham stressed. Unless we repent and receive his offer of forgiveness, surrendering our lives to him, we will spend eternity as part of a different family when we leave this earth, is what Graham here says. Now, David, to me, this is a, this is a remarkable article. It's actually more remarkable what Pope Francis has actually said. To me, he's moved away from centuries of, uh, of certainly Christian belief and certainly belief of his own, uh, from within his own church. Now, you know, Franklin Graham, what do you think on, on Franklin's comments? Yeah, look, Gary, before we go there, um, I did see a, a news clip, but uh, on the television, in the last week on this, but uh, on the Pope Francis's uh, document, but I haven't read it. But what I did remember seeing on the news was that the uh, the reporters were saying that when Pope Francis was uh, a cardinal or a bishop in in Argentina, that he was against 
same-sex marriage and against homosexuality. Mm-hmm. So presumably there's been a change. There has been. There certainly has been a transition here. Uh, apparently these comments did actually get uh, get made 12, 12 months ago but weren't reported. Uh, now they have been reported. And, uh, you know, one starts to say, hey, you know, where is the church? Uh, where is his church actually going? So... Yeah, this is a very complex um, situation, not based on the Bible, but based in the world in which we live, where sin dominates and we're all sinners. Mm. I believe that the Bible is very clear that um, marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm. You go to those first few chapters of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, and um, we get this story of uh, Adam and Eve. They're brought together. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So man and woman. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So this was prior to sin mm. in the world. And as, as Franklin Graham says, when sin comes, there's... Uh, when sin comes, humanity is impacted, yeah. and we have all been impacted by sin. There are all sorts of things which lead us away from the biblical ideal. Now, I guess this article is dealing with the situation of homosexuality and same-sex marriage, and the Bible makes it very clear, I believe, that that is sin. That is not God's ideal plan. That is not what God created in the beginning. Mm. Let me now um, uh, broaden that, though, to say that uh, the Bible is very clear on a number of things, not just homosexuality. So I don't want us just to be pulling out the one thing. There's a whole range of things which are considered sin, and if we don't repent, it talks about repentance. And I think you um, actually, actually make a very good point there because I know a couple of weeks ago we did actually talk about this particular subject and we looked at in the Scriptures. There was uh, all manner of... Sexual sin um, yes. as one particular category of sins that the Bible classifies as sin. But, you know, the th- interesting thing to me is that the Bible does talk about this thing called sin, doesn't it? It does. So whether uh, – let me be very clear. I, I believe homosexuality is not part of the Bible's plan. It, it's a sin. Very clear to me. Um, the Bible also points out heterosexual situ- situations, which are also sin, as you've said. Adultery. Adultery. Um, now, in the end – uh, my understanding of Scripture, if we choose to live a life uh, not submitted to Christ, only Christ can save us. We can't save mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we surrender the things in our lives that are contrary to God's will or contrary to his word, if you like, then um, we have peace when we surrender them. When we don't, we, uh, we receive the consequences of sin, which is eternal death. Mm-hmm. When we repent and we ask God for strength and forgiveness, he gives us grace. He gives us that forgiveness, and we're treated as if we haven't sinned. Okay. So okay. repentance is a huge thing, and right there at the beginning of Acts of the Christian church, those uh, we talked about this verse last week uh, in a different context, but the hearers of Peter's sermon at Pentecost uh, they had, were, were responsible and party mm. to putting Jesus to death, if you like. Mm. When Peter preaches to them that the person you crucified was a the Messiah, they're cut to the heart. They realize their sin. They feel a guilt, a shame, and, and they say, what should we do? I think, I think you used two really important words there. The two things they feel is guilt and shame. And, you know, I'm so conscious that we're actually living in a world today where a person after – there are so many who are walking around uh, with guilt – Within their minds, and uh, you know, how do I deal with this thing called guilt? You know, and it's not just the 
the sin of homosexuality, but it can be the sin of adultery. It can be the sin of pornography. It can be the sin of, uh, you know, any one, you know, theft. Uh, you know, it can be any one of these things. But So guilt is insidious. It destroys us. It does. It destroys us from the inside. Jesus not only wants to forgive us of our sins, but when we repent and ask for forgiveness, he takes that guilt. He bore mm. that guilt on the cross. So for me... Um, and I know in my own life, when I've repented of sin, there is a a relief. There is mm. it's almost like a burden is lifted. Yeah. Um, now God loves each and every one of us. We're all sinners. Mm. Um, homosexuality for me is clearly a biblical sin, as is adultery. Mm. God loves the adulterer no different than He loves the homosexual, no different than He loves the gossiper yeah. or or someone else struggling in areas. But there is a call here, isn't there, to to those who have sinned to this thing called repentance. Because Jesus promises and wants to give us new life. Mm. Jesus came to set the captives free. We're all captive to sin. And so in this case with homosexuality, Jesus wants to release us from what the Bible doesn't teach and give us the freedom and joy and the peace Mm. of living within his will. So what you're saying is that you believe Franklin Graham actually has a point. I do, absolutely. Okay, okay. Do, do you think that um, the the Pope has actually undermined the Scriptures? Because I think that this is even a bigger issue. I think the issue of sin is absolutely vital, but I think this issue of undermining the Word of God, I think is is possibly even, even an, another level, if that's possible. Yeah, and look, again, I would say that I haven't read uh, the document. However, um, the big danger here, I think, is when we start allowing culture to dictate our decisions mm. rather than the word of god then what's next yeah yeah no that's uh, that's so good because it, i really appreciate that because it is so easy to actually have our our secular culture and the demands that our secular culture put on us to actually make the running uh, for where the christian church should be actually moving whereas scripture actually seems to say exactly the opposite is true that's right. There is one thing. Jesus says he doesn't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, there is so many non-constants in this world. The world is so fluid. It is so moving. Yet the word of God is relevant in each and every generation. And only living by the word of God can we really experience the joy, the peace, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and have the hope that there is more beyond this life, both in the present and in the future. Yeah, no, that that is incredibly powerful. Uh, look, uh, let's come to some uh, some music. This is uh, the Downing family. He leadeth me. What a wonderful thought uh, this really is. He does leadeth day by day. Uh, please enjoy. He leadeth me. Thank you. 
God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me. Uh, we've got a wonderful giveaway for you this uh, this week. It's the uh, devotional book, Desire of Ages. A fantastic uh, little book, this one. If you want to build your devotional life, The Desire of Ages is the book that will actually do it. Tell me, David, have you, you've read Desire of Ages. How have you found it? The word you said, one of the best devotional books, I remember clearly uh, when I was going through theological seminary, uh, one particular year I spent the year searching, not searching, reading the book Desire of Ages along with the biblical references, mm. underlining, writing notes, all sorts of things. And when I read the book Desire of Ages, it's a storybook. 
Yeah. When I read it, it takes me there in my mind. I see things visually. So yeah. it's a powerful book, and the insights in it are wonderful. Yeah. yeah Highly yeah. recommend it to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- this is a book that I have found such incre- an incredible blessing in actually reading and working my way through this book. I know that just this year I've reread the book Desire of Ages again. A fantastic book, really does a touch and change. It impacts a person's life in an incredibly positive way. And Gary, I would like to say that if I would challenge people, if they read this book, they will not come away disappointed. Yeah, it's yeah. a life-changing, spiritually deepening book. Yeah, yeah, folks. If you would like your free copy of the book Desire of Ages, uh, just text your name and your address to uh, our studio uh, mobile here. That's oh four three eight zero double six. Six three five. That's o four three eight zero double six six three five, and we'll make sure that you get a, a copy uh, to you uh, in the next uh, in the next couple of days. That's for the book Desire of Ages. You'll love this particular devotional book. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Uh, this week, we're following the theme: falling in love with. Jesus. And the question we're asking today, does the resurrection really matter? It was back in uh, 1998 that Lee Strobel was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. He was a graduate of the Yale Law School. He published a book entitled The Case for Christ, a journalist's personal investigation of the evidence for Jesus. Strobel had uh, previously been a, uh, been an atheist, uh, but he was compelled by his wife's conversion to evangelical Christianity to refute the key Christian claims about Jesus. You can just imagine this, can't you? His wife actually becomes a Christian. They've come, uh, when they've been married, neither of them have been Christians. His wife becomes a Christian. And as a journalist, uh, this is something that was really, really challenged him. You know, I, I mean, to me, this is a major li- life change. And, uh, paramount, of course, amongst the things that impacted his wife was the historicity of Jesus' resurrection. But other claims included belief that Jesus was the literal Son of God and the accuracy of New Testament writings. Strobel, however, he, he's actually unable to refute the claims uh, after he does his study to his satisfaction. So he actually converts to Christianity as well. Uh, his book actually became one of the best-selling works of, uh, of Christianity in that particular era. Uh, now, this to me is really, really challenging. Uh, David, the resurrection, it impacted Strobel in such a way that he actually changed his way of life, it changed his way of, uh, of living. Now, how much does the resurrection really matter uh, to us as Christians today? Is it just a, a, a faith belief out there? It is more than that. I think the Christianity rises or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a big statement. It is. It is. And um, let me suggest why that is, uh, why that is such a big statement and why so much rides on it. I guess essentially in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 4, if we can read those, Moreover, brethren, Paul says, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, 
If you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Listen to this. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So here we have, I guess, the heart of the gospel, that Jesus came, he lived, Mm -hmm. he died, and he rose. And... um, Paul goes on to shape why that is so important, really. And it's in verses 12 to 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 19. Mm -hmm. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead did not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep or died, in other words, in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Mm. Paul, I believe here, is dealing with, with concerns or accusations that people have made saying that, you know, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. Now, he's already said in verse 3, that he delivered to us, you know, the, the, the news that Christ died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the Scriptures. And, and you know, that particular passage, and this is the part that to me is particularly significant, actually goes on in verse 5 and says this, And he was seen by Cephas, who of course was Peter, yes. uh, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain alive at the present, but some have fallen asleep. What's he actually doing here? Paul is giving evidence, saying there are other witnesses to confirm that are still alive. So when Paul writes uh, 1 Corinthians, Hmm. he's writing to Greeks, and and they were often skeptics. Yes. And he is letting them know that there were at least 500 people that witnessed the resurrection. Some of them have fallen asleep. The Bible calls that death. It's like a sleep. But there are still some, he says, that are alive that can verify. If what I'm saying is wrong, if I'm telling fables or or make-believe stories, there are people that can say that is not so. And and that's the thing that to me is so powerful because in all the writings of history, we find nobody has actually written to say it is not so. How easy it would have been for the early Christian, uh, the the Jewish fathers to turn around and say, you know, you keep talking about this resurrection of Christ. It didn't occur. It doesn't happen in any of their writings and what Paul's doing here is presenting evidence. He's saying, hey, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the evidence is out there. If you don't believe me, go and ask one of these other 500 people who are sitting out there. Absolutely. It's critical. Absolutely critical. So this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, is essentially one of the few chapters that almost entirely, if not entirely, deals with the topic of the resurrection. And you know, David, one of the things that to me is so important about that particular, uh, what you've just said is so important, but you know, there are many people who say that uh, Christianity is a faith-based religion. I suggest to you that in the first generation, certainly when Paul is writing this, Christianity was not a faith-based religion. 
It was actually an evidence-based religion because Paul could say, hey, there are all these people out there. The evidence is sitting there. Just go and talk to them. And Paul claims to have met Christ himself, to indeed, have seen Christ, indeed. This to is have evidence. had revelations from This is evidence-based. Absolutely. Yeah. So we live by faith, yeah. but we then stand or fall on, on how we believe the Bible holds up and stands. And you've mentioned Lee Strobel and yeah. this um, uh, uh, legal journalist, I believe, yeah. how he went and he checked out for himself, wanting to disprove his wife. So 1 Corinthians 15, um, as Paul says in verse 5, there are people alive today, he says, that were witnesses that mm. were saw this. Mm. But notice how important uh, those verses 12 to 19 that we read, uh, why Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection. Firstly, in verse 14, when we've read this, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Yeah. Secondly, he, he is saying in verses 14 and 17, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, if there's been no resurrection, then faith is in vain. In fact, it's worthless. That's, they're, they're, incredible, um, they're incredible statements that Paul is actually, actually making. Uh, and you know, if, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, uh, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And then he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Yeah, we're, we're, we're the lowest of the low. We should be, people should feel sorry for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if if what we're saying is tr- is false, he even says that uh, in verse fifteen that Christian evangelists are mis- mi- misrepresenting God when they claim that He raised Jesus if in fact He was not raised from the dead. Yeah. yeah. So liars. So this is real. This belief about the resurrection from the dead is just so heart and core, isn't it, to everything that Christianity stands for, everything that it believes. Uh, if this didn't happen, then what Paul is saying, pack up, go home, put your tools away because you're wasting your time in everything Throw that you do. Throw it all away. But if it did happen... That, to me, is the thing that is particularly significant here because what Paul is saying is that if it happened to Christ, the resurrection, then his argument actually goes on in verse in verse 20. And I, I love what, is, uh, uh, what he says in verse 20. But now Christ, he says, on the evidence, is risen from, risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Now, David, what's this first fruits thing? What he's saying, the first fruits on a crop, um, when the first fruits were picked, they would have them, they would taste them. They then had certainty of what was yet to come. Yeah. So Jesus in the Bible, now clearly in the Bible there were other resurrections. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus resurrected people, and maybe we can talk about Lazarus in a mm. minute. But Jesus is the life giver. Mm. Uh, it is only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we have hope. So what I believe Paul is saying here, here's the first fruits. He has gone before us. He has gone first uh, he is beyond us, and so he has been resurrected first. Now, mm. because he was raised from the dead, he came through death. Mm. 
death did not hold him, mm. then we can have certainty that just like those first fruits appear on the tree and you pick them, you know there is a crop yet to come. Mm. So we can have assurance and we can have certainty that because Jesus rose from the dead, that as we give ourselves to Jesus, our lives to him, as we surrender to him, then we can have that certainty that we will follow. What an amazing thought this is. You know, verse 22, I love it. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Uh, you know, and to me, as I look at this, I sort of say, hey, you know, this gives incredible hope to those who have lost people in death. It, it does. And if there is no hope of the resurrection, then what does that say about life and death, or importantly yeah. about death? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, it says death is the end. It says, and, and basically you move back to your godless world again. I spoke to a, a pastor this morning, and um, he had, a, had a, in his family a, a little baby uh, died at birth or very close to birth. And it's wonderful to be able to pray with someone. They're, they're grieving. They're experiencing loss. But it's wonderful to be able to pray with someone, yeah. knowing that they also, in spite of the grief and the loss that they're feeling, that there is hope beyond the grave. There is hope beyond death, and that is in the resurrection, and it's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, David? I mean, uh, you've certainly been involved in, in enough funerals in your in your ministry. I've certainly been involved in enough my, leading in leading funerals in my ministry. Uh, but to be able to share this particular hope at, with, with individuals, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's it's the only thing. And I mean, I've lost a number of family members. I lost my father, and and the resurrection hope that we have and being able to see our loved ones again yeah. is what makes life livable for me. Yeah. Um, what I really like in this First Corinthians 15, um, he talks about the risen Christ in, in verses 12 to 19, and you've read some of the verses in, in 20 to 22, etc. Um, he then goes on to talk about, uh, he validates the resurrection. He then goes on to talk about, uh, well, if there's resurrection, what ultimately happens with death? And he says that um, the last enemy to be defeated, uh, verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Mm-hmm. So one day death will be done away with. And we know in Revelation chapter 20, it says that death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire, in, into the hell fires, if you like. And They'll be done away with. And that's how it was at creation. God created it, created us, isn't it? You know, he didn't create people to die it was only when Adam and Eve sinned that as a result of sin, death actually came upon all men. And this is why Jesus came. Yeah. One of the reasons. Yeah. He came to validate yeah. the Father, that God is a God of love, not what Lucifer and Satan had been saying, mm-hmm. uh, that God is love. But he also came to rescue us or to give us hope. And it all happened with Jesus' death and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the resurrection explains and validates the cross. Because if Jesus died on the cross and there was no resurrection, well, then there's nothing different with Jesus dying on the cross and thousands of other people, tens of thousands of other people that were crucified on crosses in the Roman era. And you can consider all the Christian martyrs. Uh, You know, there's really no difference between Christ and them if, in fact, Christ didn't raise from the dead. You know, the, uh, the cross and Christ's sacrifice for us is just so important uh, because it deals with the issue of sin. But if sin then finishes in the grave, 
it's a pointless exercise. But here what we've got is a picture of our, of our God. Jesus Christ himself comes, he lives and he dies. But death cannot hold him. Death cannot hold him. Uh, Hebrews 7.25 tells us it's really because of the resurrection. It says, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Yeah. So we can come to God with boldness through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why? Because he, since he lives, he always lives to make intercession for them. So how can Jesus always live? He's alive. Why is he alive? Because he was resurrected from the dead. Mm, mm. That's that's a, that's a powerful thought there, David. Look, David. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. I I love this uh, this particular uh, worship song. This is uh, Michael Card. Uh, the song is uh, is El El Shaddai. Uh, please enjoy. Uh, please worship as you as we share together in this song. El 
Beautiful, what a beautiful song, uh, guys! Our uh, our free gift to you today is is the wonderful devotional book, Desire of Ages. Uh, this is one of those books that will draw you uh, much closer to, to Jesus Christ. It'll talk it'll talk to you about his life, his death, his resurrection, and all that it means. Uh, you'll be challenged uh, when you're reading the book, Desire of Ages. If you'd like a copy, why not text me here in the in the studio? That's oh four three eight zero double six six three five. That's 0438 066635. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're following the theme of falling in love with Jesus, and the question we're asking today is, does the resurrection matter? Uh, David, uh, fill us in, just bring us back on this one again. Really appreciate what you've been saying saying there from 1 Corinthians um, 15. Does the scripture say anything else? Gary, I just want to touch on evidences, if you like, for the resurrection. And there are many, but I just want to focus on one. And that is the tomb on Sunday morning was empty. And the first documents of, uh, of writing of Scripture actually state this. When they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus, Luke 24, 3. This is Sunday morning. Now, the enemies of Jesus and his followers also confirmed this fact that it was empty. In fact, in Matthew 28, 1, sorry, Matthew 28, 13, they established a theory because they knew it was true. Uh, they lied. They paid the soldiers to cover it up. But the enemies of Jesus, um, uh, said that his disciples had come and stolen his body. Mm. Now, let's look at evidence for that, if you like. So we've got an empty tomb. No one argues with that. The the enemies of Jesus or the followers of Jesus, it was empty. And in the early Christian documents, that's actually supported in, in the earliest you know, non-biblical documents that we have. Uh, it would have been it would have been so easy for those uh, those Jewish leaders to actually write and say, ah, that wasn't true, but you don't find any no, of that occurring. Because let's look at it. If the enemies of Jesus stole his body, 
then surely they would have produced the body to stop the successful spread of Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Because Christianity rose on and fell on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so if they could have produced Jesus' body, the enemies, then Christianity would have been halted in its tracks. Now, mm. was there a body produced? No, absolutely not. Silence. And that would have been so easy to do because, you know, three days after death, you know, particularly after crucifixion, uh, you know, it should have been quite easy to go and collect the body and so you know here where's the where's the evidence there were soldiers placed around the tomb to guard it so quite clearly if the body was there mm. they could have produced it here's yeah. the evidence yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about if his friends if his disciples stole his body um, is that possible? You know, is it really possible for these fishermen, um, if you like, these Galileans, to break through a, a guard of soldiers to steal his body and then to claim that he had risen from the dead? In other words, they steal his body. He hasn't really risen from the dead. But then they go about preaching the fact that he rose from the dead. Is that possible? And then they prepare to actually die for it die as well. For it. Now, now they were men and women of conviction, yeah. these followers of yeah. Jesus. Yeah. As you've said, you would not die for the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead if, in fact, yeah. he hadn't and you knew that you'd stolen his body. Yeah. You'd be yeah. insane. Yeah. And these are the points that Lee Strobel actually makes in his book. It's a powerful little book that talks about all this, all the mountain of evidence there is to support the fact that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. So, look, <coughs> there is heaps of that, and you can yeah. find all that evidence. But, Gary, I think it's important we look to practical implications what if, does that if actually you're happy mean? to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, look, to me, the, to sin, the biblical answer is the cross, to death the biblical answer is the resurrection. Now, someone once said that two things in life are a certainty, death and taxes. So uh, we believe in the resurrection. We believe in the return of Jesus. If we should be alive when Jesus comes, we won't experience death. But if he doesn't come in our lifetime, we, like millions of others before, will experience death. So resurrection is the answer to death. Uh, it's interesting, Hosea, the Old Testament book, chapter 13, verse 14. I love this beautiful verse. It says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. How can there be uh, a redemption from death? How can there be a ransom from the power of the grave? How can death be destroyed? Through the resurrection. Through the resurrection. Only yeah. possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And... Uh, God through Hosea is emphatic. I will ransom them. I will redeem them. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Emphatic, yeah. the words of God. What about Jesus uh, to his disciples? John chapter 14, Gary, and verse 19. And Jesus says in John 14, verse 19, he says, Because I live, you also will live. What's he referring to? His death and his resurrection. His death and his resurrection. Yeah. Because I will have died and I've risen again, you also will die yeah. and you will live again. You will yeah. be resurrected again. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, David, there are so many people that I've, uh, that, that I've run, the, run the funeral for. Um, and there's weeping at the grave, and yet you know I, I I will remember on one particular occasion I actually had a um, a funeral director. He came up to me and uh, and he said, Pastor, he said, what you've got is such a wonderful hope. And you know when a funeral director actually says it to you, 
you know, to me, it really set me back a, a few paces because these guys are at funerals two and three times a day. Absolutely. Uh, and he came up to me and he said, oh, wow. Uh, you know, and, and there had seemed something that had impacted him that day because he realized that within Christianity, there was this thing called wonderful hope. And he actually commented on it to me. And when that happened, I, I thought, wow, that's, you know, this is powerful when, you know, what the scriptures teach is, act- is actually able to impact the heart of a funeral director. You cannot buy that. Um, and it's powerful. I mean, the Apostle Paul says, we grieve, but we don't grieve as others who have no hope. What yeah. is the hope? It's yeah. the resurrection of Jesus yeah. Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is inseparably linked to his second coming, to his return. Yeah. In John chapter 6, verse 40, And this is the will of him who sent me, says Jesus, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up. At that last day, yeah, the yeah. resurrection. That's it's a, that's actually that one of those, one of those passages that I've actually marked in my Bible because uh, you know to me I wanted to jump out at me. It's so important, so key to everything that we believe. It is, Gary. And if I can go further, probably the two most important words in Scripture are life and death. Mm. Life and death, uh, and there have only ever been two choices for human beings: life and death. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life, the tree whose fruit, if eaten, would bring death. Sorry. In the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life, and there was the tree whose fruit, if eaten, would bring death. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only two choices. Tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Before the Israelites, God's people, went into the land of Canaan, uh, Moses also set before them these two alternatives. He said in Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Jesus also spoke of the resurrection of life and the resurrection of condemnation. So these mm. two choices, life and death. Um, in uh, John, 1 John 5.12, John declares, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Two choices. So I want to suggest to you in John chapter 11, there is the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. Yeah. And it's the same Jesus who brought Lazarus back to life by calling those simple words, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus didn't flick his fingers. Mm. He didn't go over and shake a rock and mix potions or, or do any sort of incantations. He simply, quietly, calmly, but assuredly and emphatically said, Lazarus, come forth. Mm. And that to me is powerful. The same Jesus who spoke the words of Lazarus, come forth, is the same one who at the resurrection at the second coming on that last day, will say those same words to people who have fallen asleep yeah, or yeah. died in him. David, how have you found that this teaching impacts the, the families of those who are facing death and you know, facing the passing of loved ones? I have um, I've been asked to do a funeral, I think, of one family in particular that had lost a uh, stillborn baby. Mm. And um, they asked me not to talk about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian pastor, where I see the resurrection as an incredible surety and hope, mm. I was flabbergasted. 
They did not want me to talk about the resurrection but wanted me to talk about the love of God. I recall in my own life, uh, my father, um, he was uh, dying in hospital uh, with a, an illness in his lungs and he, I was there to see him when the doctor said, we cannot do anything for you and uh, are you comfortable with that? And he said, yes. And I remember there... Um, uh, being with him, uh, this is seven years ago, at the same time my son was seven hours away mm-hmm. in a hospital mm-hmm. um, with a serious condition that a couple of children had died from. And um, uh, I had to make the decision of leaving my father and being that back to see my son, my young son. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my dad, Dad, um, with tears in my eyes, uh, if I don't see you in this life, I'll see you in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was powerful, Mm. absolutely powerful that I have that hope. And it reminds me of Paul in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11. And this is what he said. It was the desire of his heart. He says, that I may know him, this is Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Mm. I don't have to fear that... uh, I didn't, wasn't there when my father died. Mm-hmm. He died two days later. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fear that I will not see him again. I have the certainty and the assurance that because Jesus has power over death, because he defeated death through his own resurrection, mm-hmm. that I too, as I walk with Jesus, have absolute certainty, confidence, and assurance that I will see my family, my loved ones again that have died. Yeah, yeah. That gives incredible hope, doesn't it? You know, it's just, it's just one of those things that you, you look at and you say, hi, uh, I, I'm conscious of so many people who uh, haven't, uh, who, who don't have that hope, and trying to actually present those those funerals. And uh, to me, as a as a pastor, occasionally, and I know you've been approaching this way, David. Um, you know, someone will say to you, "Look, just do a celebration of life." Uh, do you know, I find that incredibly sad. You know, I, you know, to to me, it's something missing. There's something hugely missing here because, you know, to me, I, I look at the scriptures and I say, there's so much more to offer. And Gary, it's the power of Jesus's voice, Psalm 33, that mm. calls people, calls life into existence. Yeah. The power of Jesus's voice brought Lazarus from the grave. Mm. The power of Jesus's voice will raise the dead when he returns. Yeah, yeah. It's David, a certainty. That is fantastic. Look, David, look, I'm just so conscious. Let's have prayer. I'm, I'm really conscious uh, that there may be some who uh, who might be struggling on this particular issue. And uh, would you like, just like to pray uh, for them at, uh, at this time? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that the same Jesus who raised Lazarus and brought him back to life after four days in the grave can raise us in the resurrection at the second coming. We thank you that he has the keys, Revelation chapter 1, of death and the grave. And I'm so thankful that we have a God that hasn't lost keys but has the keys to unlock death through the power of his own resurrection. There are only two alternatives ultimately, life and death. And if we have Jesus, we have life. If we have Jesus, we have hope. And so, Father, I pray for our listeners out there. Perhaps there are some people that have recently lost a loved one. Perhaps there are people who are sick. Uncertainty with death. Father, I want to pray that they may experience the hope and the certainty of what the Bible teaches in the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also because of that, the hope that we have as believers in the resurrection of those who love Jesus at the last day. So, Father, bless each listener, we pray. Keep them in your care, and may they have that hope, life-changing hope. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on uh, Drive Time Big Q&A. 
And please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano asks, is it arrogant to say Jesus is the only way? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy, this is Rambos, sheltered in the arms of God. 